0: Please be seated. So Janice, could I have that Bible? No, no one. Thank you. Okay. Now hopefully dotted among you at the minute, the Bibles should be in the pews. Uh, if you want to, if you're keen to follow a little passage of Scripture, it's on page 1028, 1028, 1028. Um, If any of those are helpful. Sorry, Beth, and it can go up on the screen. Uh, at least this picture will go up on the screen. Uh, I, I want to press on into the idea of what, what it would mean to embrace uh, the following of Jesus or being the family of God uh, in the same way that it would be if you decided you wanted to... Oh, you wanted to get ready for the Olympics. What would have to change in our lives. So... Uh, This morning, I'd like us to to begin to approach this athletic training program for our faith. And uh, I want to read to you from page 1028, and it is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 uh, to 52. I'll start the next page, 1029, just across. Every year, his parents, uh, his Jesus, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? They didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Or the version I prefer says, and all people. Just that we comment at the end there, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people sometimes i think we we have this notion that when jesus was born at christmas time we've already sung a song about that uh, that somewhere resting inside of his brain there was a switch that at some point in his life it was going to be triggered and suddenly he would know everything he would be god's brain inside this child this baby this toddler this young boy this teenager or maybe it was a 30 Something would snap and suddenly he would realize everything. He would know everything. He was truly born as one of us. There was a time when the Son of God uh, couldn't control his toilet going. Yeah. Had to have nappies or whatever the equivalent was in those days. There was a time when he couldn't walk, when he used to fall over. There was a time when he had to learn to ride a bicycle, if they had such things. Right? He grew up just like you and me. He was truly one of us. He became one of us. Now, your head melts when you start to think. Uh, and therefore, in this, in this way, Jesus had to embrace the learning of the Scriptures and the learning of the stories and the learning of the prayers and the learning of the Psalms and the worship songs, the meanings of the of the temple and the, you know, the sacrifices. He had to go to the synagogue. He had to listen. And um, he was growing in it all. And it strikes me that if the Son of God has to grow in all of this and learn all of this and engage with all of this, why on earth wouldn't we? Why on earth would we think it's all just going to snap into our heads at some point and we know all we need to know? So every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. They went to the Passover festival. Now, this one is mentioned uh, at every year, but this one is mentioned that when he was 12 years old, because uh, at 12 years of age, uh, boys and girls in that whole Jewish world would have been approaching bar mitzvah. And bar mitzvah was a kind of coming of age Uh, a rite of passage part. So I got a wee picture of what it was like, yes. Just as embarrassing for a 12-year-old boy in those days as it would be nowadays if our mum and dad decided to kiss us publicly. Could you imagine? But girls also went through bar mitzvah. And it was a coming of age. It was a learning. It was something was going on. Something was being embraced by these young adults just entering adolescence and puberty about their faith. Now, could I just throw in a wee plug for confirmation coming up in a number of weeks? Is that there's a bar mitzvah moment for 14 years and upwards in our diocese where we do the cutoff on the age of this. There's something of owning something, of saying, yes, I'm going to become... Oh, went wrong way. I'm going to become the one who will go to the festival. I will start to explore and will start to learn about what this is like uh, to own this faith, to explore in this faith, to grasp hold of this stuff. And could I say that if you're not 14 up and you're not a teenager, but you're an adult, and maybe in some ways you've become part of us or at or maybe you've never had a moment in your adult life where you've actually had had the opportunity to stand up in front of people, your family, the family of God here, and say, uh, count me in on this. I'm putting my hand up and say, I want to be in this. Uh, That confirmation could be for you as well. Now, you're not supposed to do it twice, so if you've already been done in some other parish, you're not supposed to do it twice. Uh, I did do a confirmation a while ago uh, when we were before being in Beaver when we were in the Boring Wells world and up in Money Ray, and the bishop came to do a confirmation and uh, one of the teenager's mothers said to the bishop afterwards, that was so much nicer than his last one. (laughs) And they go, oh no. It was in another denomination, uh, which was sort of fine. So his bishop just kind of smiled and didn't make a fuss. Okay, well done, bishop. Uh, But if there's something about you're saying, yes, I want to count me in on this. I want to be part of this, or I want to be part of the big picture. And you've never had an opportunity to do it. Maybe this is something. Uh, So we've got a meeting tonight at seven. Sorry, that was a big advert. Right. Three days later, they finally discovered Jesus in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them, asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. But this story is placed in a festival. And that's partly the point of what I want to share this morning, of the point or the value of festivals in this searching and learning about this faith. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. There were three festivals in the Jewish calendar, Passover, Harvest, and Tabernacles, at least three big festivals, and then a number of smaller ones dotted throughout the year. And the purpose of a festival is that a festival carries a message. And even in our our secular world, Uh, There are festivals out there, there are arts festivals, literature festivals, film festivals, uh, because there's a message. There's something that people are hoping to preserve or hoping to teach or hoping to pass on, give a legacy to a new generation or whatever it is. Festivals are all about that. It's about celebrating stuff and wanting to pass it on and share it with others. And these three festivals in the Jewish world, in the Jewish year, uh, were also incredibly important. The Passover festival, uh, you probably know about this one. Um, It's the one that we locate Easter in. Uh, And the Passover festival reminded the Jewish people, I'm sorry, all Jews were expected to attend one festival a year, no matter where they lived. They were supposed to travel to get to Jerusalem to be at one of these. Um, Some people would have tried to be at all three, and it would be part of their annual cycle uh, of holidays. This is what we do. So Passover festival celebrated the liberation of the uh, Israelite nation as slaves, or the Hebrew nation, as it would have been known in those days, uh, from Egypt. 400 years they had been living in Egypt, and as the years went past, they became more and more entrapped and more and more enslaved to the point where at this moment of liberation through the story of Moses and Pharaoh and all of that stuff that you know, all those stories, uh, was an immense moment, 400 years of not being their own people. And now they were liberated. And the stories of the blood over the doors, the sacrifice of the pure lamb that protected them and allowed them to be liberated. So could I just take you back? That's the festival that Jesus, the 12 year old, was sitting in the middle of, sitting talking to the scribes, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders in the temple. This 12-year-old boy starting to hear, uh, maybe he'd already heard, but trying to embrace the ideas of the lamb being slaughtered, the blood being shed, the purity of the lamb, the liberation this brings to the people. Right? It's being absorbed into his mind, into his heart. He's learning this. He's hearing the stories from the Bible. They're starting to sink in. At one point, at some point between that, and thirty-two, thirty-three, he's beginning to realize that I am the Lamb. This finds its reality in me. Second festival is a harvest festival. The harvest festival is sometimes called the festival of weeks because it happens seven weeks after the Passover festival, and uh, that's fifty days, seven sevens plus one uh, for the for the, the day on which it all happens. Pentecost means 50, so you can see a connection here. The festival of weeks or the festival of the harvest lands on, sorry, it doesn't land on our festival. Our festival lands on their festival. It's the same festival. It would have been the harvest festival, Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. Yeah, can you see the connection there? And the harvest is the outpouring of God's goodness into these people pentecost the outpouring of god's very presence and power into his people us to be around that festival and of course we know when we remember the stories uh, that we read around pentecost of people were there from every nation under heaven the streets were jammed with people they were there learning these stories expecting again in faith that God would pour out his blessing upon them. And on that first Pentecost, they received the blessing from God in a way that they had never imagined. These are incredible festivals. Oh, the third festival is the festival of tabernacles or shelters, it's sometimes called. And this festival, uh, the story that goes with this is the story of the 40 years in the wilderness when the Hebrew people had nowhere to call their own, no homes to live in, no villages, no towns. They wandered in a wilderness. So they do an amazing thing on the Feast of Tabernacles every year. They move out of their homes, and they build sheds and huts and lean-tos and tents and all sorts of things, and they all move into those, yeah, for a week. They live not in their own homes to remind them of what it would be like uh, to be in that wilderness depending on God. is that a great thing to do? John, it's like summer madness. (laughs) To go somewhere, to live in a different way for a week or for a few days, to begin to experience, what is this like? Uh, So, would, would you stick with me? Are you with me okay so far? Is this sort of making sense? Let me take you to somewhere really quite unknown in the Bible. First Chronicles 24, the temple has just been, is about to be opened by Solomon in great majesty and glory and all sorts of things in Jerusalem. And they realize that they're going to have to uh, put people in the temple to make it work. Uh, So um, it says here, this is how Aaron's descendants, the priests, were divided into groups for service, right? So these are the descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses, Uh, and they divided them up into 24. You can see the list. Now, it's very small. The one I want you to notice is the one in yellow, but it goes down to the 24th lot. So they they were divided up into 24 families, and they all had to take it in turns to look after the temple for a week each. So work it out yourself. How many times do you have to do that in a year? Twice, okay. So you, you go right through the rota of 1 to 24, and then you repeat it. And that gets 48 weeks every every year. And you're thinking, but there's three weeks left out, or four weeks left out. Well, that's because on the week of the festival, they're all supposed to come. So you've got 24 right the way through, another 24, and then you've got the three festival weeks where all 24 families are meant to turn up to help with the, um, uh, just like Summer Madness, to be the volunteer leaders and staff to make the whole thing work at the festivals. So that gets you to 51 weeks. And allowing for the calendars move a little bit, depending on the moon and all that, just like our Easter. And that fills up the whole year. So I want you to look at this eighth one. The eighth lot fell to Abijah. Now, why on earth would we pick that out? So just to see if this actually works, I had a wee look at the year 2021, year 2022. That's in real life. And the Passover... And 2021, happened on the first week of April. So, if you were in the eighth lot, that's the lot of Abijah, the family of Abijah, you'd be on week eight, except that Pentecost has happened on, at the end of week seven, so there's an extra week to shove in when everybody turned up. So, I'm kind of thinking April, May, that gets you to the first week of June, okay? So, go with me, see if this makes sense. Luke chapter one. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. The eighth week. Okay. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. near the to name him John. This was going to be John the Baptist. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. That was in the first week of June. Let's give him time to get home, okay? Second week of June, okay. His wife's pregnant, yeah. Now, where does that take us? Later on in the same chapter, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What's more, your relative, Elizabeth has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. A few days later, Mary hurried to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. So add six months on to the second week of June. And that's when the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary. Wow. Matthew 1. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So allow for my mathematics here a wee bit. Add 39 weeks of pregnancy onto that. Joseph took Mary with him to Bethlehem. Who was now expecting a child, and while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Right? There was no lodging available for them. That could be early October, and if we use last year, the last couple of years, for the real dates, Feast of Tabernacles. on the 9th of October. Is it possible that God worked this, that Jesus could be the Son of God, the incarnation, happened during the Feast of Tabernacles, that the death of the Son of God and the resurrection of the Son of God happens in the Feast or the Festival of Passover? Is it possible that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given on the festival of harvest of Pentecost. These festivals are like pillars set up as crucial points in the story of our faith. I find that fascinating possibility, and I can't prove this anywhere, so this is just uh, an idea. It it might be more than that. Imagine if Jesus was born on the Feast of Tabernacles and they couldn't find any lodging because everybody's living in huts and tents, sheds, lean-tos. Wow, what a thought. Anyway, I'd just like to say that I think God really honors these festivals and uses them for the growth of his people in faith and in life. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. I wonder how much of that was because when he went to the festivals, he engaged he listened to the stories. He believed the stories. He took it in. He searched the Scriptures to find out what was happening and also tried to work out, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the faith? What does this mean for all of us? So suppose at this point, in thinking about our big athletic training, I want you to, I want, because we're still in September, I want you to begin to think, what would it be like if... If I began to embrace this cycle of faith that God clearly uses in the Bible of these festivals, along with all the other wee minor festivals that are dotted around it, uh, things like our own harvest here, um, Advent, Lent, uh, Remembrance Sunday, uh, Transfiguration Sunday, the things that, that we allow to be part of this cycle of life, what would it mean for me to engage in these? the way Jesus did. To sit down and try to absorb, what are these about? What do I need to do to prepare for a festival coming up? These people would have had to think, how are we going to travel? How are we going to get there? What are we going to live on? Uh, who are we going to stay with? Right? There was commitment required for these festivals. What would this like be like for us? Uh, to absorb What God is trying to say through them to us, as we work. Now, giving you plenty of warning because harvest will happen next month, um, but Advent and Christmas are still a couple of months away. How we are we beginning to think? What could I do? How could this work? How can I grow in these? In the song we just sang, we we sang a verse, Jesus, be my teacher. Lord, would you be our teacher? Would you show us what you're trying to say through these things? What difference it makes in our lives? How it inspires us and moves us and strengthens us? Let's stand together and sing.